I'm Tavis Smiley, and I am black and I'm proud, and I hope you are as well. And I am delighted to have uh, a brilliant uh, law professor as our guest in this hour to help us unpack uh, the resignation letter of Claudine Gay at Harvard. We've been discussing this for days now, as you well know. She made history on her way in as the first African-American, the first black woman, the second woman, period, to be president of Harvard, made history coming in and made history going out. Uh, having served the shortest tenure of any president in the history of Harvard. Uh, and yesterday, um, Claudine Gay wrote, I think, a pretty powerful and provocative essay, an op-ed for the New York Times. I'm going to read, uh, to commence this conversation, just a piece of what she wrote in this op-ed uh, in the Times yesterday. I encourage you to Google it and read it for yourself. You can follow along, act like we're at Bible study and you can follow along as I read these few passages, but we'll start with uh, some of her words from her piece, and then we will get to our conversation with noted Harvard law professor, our friend and brother, Randy Kennedy. Randall Kennedy um, is our guest, um, brilliant professor, distinguished professor at Harvard, author of any number of best-selling New York Times best-selling books, uh, just a brilliant brother all around, and I couldn't ask for a better guest uh, to be on with us in this hour to unpack all of this than uh, Randall Kennedy, whose voice you will hear in just a moment. Here now, just a few uh, excerpts from the op-ed written by Claudine Gay, uh, which is available everywhere uh, in the New York Times on yesterday. Uh, the headline reads, Claudine Gay, what just happened at Harvard is bigger than me. On Tuesday, I made the wrenching but necessary decision to resign as Harvard's president for weeks. Uh, both I and the institution to which I've devoted my professional life have been under attack. My character and intelligence have been impugned. My commitment to fighting anti-Semitism has been questioned. My inbox has been flooded with invective, including death threats. I've been called the N-word more times than I care to count. My hope is that by stepping down, I will deny demagogues the opportunity to further weaponize my presidency in their campaign to undermine the ideals animating Harvard since its founding. Excellence, openness, independence, truth. As I depart, I must offer a few words of warning. The campaign against me was about more than one university and one leader. This was merely a single skirmish in a broader war to unravel public faith in pillars of American society. Campaigns of this kind often start with attacks on education and expertise because these are the tools that best equip communities to see through propaganda. But such campaigns don't end there. Trusted institutions of all types, from public health agencies to news organizations, will continue to fall victim to coordinated attempts to undermine their legitimacy and ruin their leaders' credibility. For the opportunist, for the opportunist driving cynicism about our institutions, no single victory or toppled leader exhausts their zeal. Close quote. Those, just a few of the opening paragraphs in this piece uh, authored by uh, Claudine Gay, entitled What Just Happened at Harvard is Bigger Than Me, uh, available everywhere uh, in the New York Times uh, on yesterday. That said, uh, Randall Kennedy, uh, let me just get started here. First of all, it's good to hear your voice again. It's been too long. Happy New Year, my friend. How are you? I'm very, I'm uh, well, Happy New Year. And as for how am I, I am 
deeply saddened yeah. because of what you've been talking about. Yeah. Um, let me do this. I'm looking at my clock here, and if I let you get going, uh, I'll have to cut you off in about a minute. So when we come forward, uh, now that you've heard some of the words um, in this op-ed from Claudine Gay, obviously we've all been following this story. We've been talking about it here at nauseum, ad infinitum. You've heard my take on it. I am so curious. Uh, of course, I have a sense of what he's going to say, uh, but I am so curious to hear what Randall Kennedy has to say about this. And this is really important to me because I wanted to go inside of Harvard. And there are any number of folks who I, of course, have known at Harvard for years, personal friends, um, Skip Gates and, 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 and Randall Kennedy. And I could just run the list uh, uh, of all kinds of folk I know at Harvard uh, who I could have called upon. But Randall Kennedy is the one that I wanted. I'm glad I got him. Uh, and you're going to hear from him for the rest of the hour when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. You're listening to Tavis Smiley, Tavis, Tavis Smiley, ranked number 45 on the heavy hundred list of the 100 most important radio talk show hosts in America. Let's get back to more of Tavis Smiley right now. All right, Randall Kennedy uh, at Harvard Law. I have had my say, and I want to hear from you in this hour. As I said moments ago, I wanted to go directly inside of Harvard and talk to one who's been on uh, uh, been on that campus for many, many years, doing some pretty amazing work, uh, known around the country. But I specifically wanted to talk to somebody black, not that one black professor at Harvard Law speaks for everybody black on the campus, but I wanted to get your take on this. And I asked you how you were doing. You said, uh, Happy New Year, but I am saddened by what we've been talking about. Let me turn my microphone off, turn yours on. On and tell me why you are so saddened. I'm saddened because um, President Gay and Harvard University have been victimized by a well-orchestrated campaign of misinformation and intimidation. She is right when she says that what's going on is bigger than her and bigger than Harvard. Uh, you know, this is part of the ongoing struggle over American culture. And what we have here is a tremendous victory for the right wing in America. When you say tremendous victory for the right wing in America, unpack that for me. We got the hour, so take your time, man. I'm, 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 you can you can act like I'm in your class at Harvard, man. Take your time and unpack it sure. for me. Um, so when you say tremendous victory for the right, give give it to me, Randall. Okay, it's it's not just the right, but primarily the right. And let's go let's go to the you know, a very central episode in this whole tragic story. Uh, her testimony before Congress. She is testifying before uh, a committee. This committee says that it's investigating anti-Semitism uh, on campus. It wasn't investigating anti-Semitism on campus. It had already determined uh, what they said that they were supposedly investigating. They had already come to the conclusion that there was ramp, you know, their conclusion was that there was uh, rampant anti-Semitism, uh, and they wanted to hang that around the necks of these uh, college uh, presidents, including Claudine Gay, and um, that that was sort of their that was their that was their line of attack. And so what they do is they they 
talk with Claudine Gay, and they set her up essentially. I mean, it was a, it was a hit. They said, for instance, that you know, don't you agree that there's certain words, certain terms that people use, pro-Palestinian uh, advocates use, that are tantamount to genocide. That's the sort of that's the you know laying the trap. And then once the, the, the Congresswoman Stefanik sort of says that, then she says, well, aren't there people who are using these terms? And then she says, well, to the extent that there are people who are using these terms, aren't they basically uh, demanding or, or, or championing uh, genocide of, of, of Jews and the destruction of Israel? And if there are people who were saying that, isn't that a violation of a policy at Harvard? Now, here's where here's the important thing. Uh, the 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 key clip that is shown over and over is Congresswoman Stefanik saying, you know, if somebody um, uh, uh, you know calls for genocide uh, of Jews at Harvard, is that a violation of Harvard policy? And Kong and and President Gay says, well, it you know it depends on the context. Now, a lot of people have said, you know, that was a terrible answer, that was a legalistic answer, that was a tone deaf answer. In my view, no. Uh, she was asked a very precise question. She's at Cong- She's at, in Congress. She's the president of the university. She's asked a question. If a student says this, or if a person on Harvard's campus says this, you know, a person who's a member of the Harvard community, if a person on the Harvard community says this, is that a violation of policy? Meaning, if it is a violation of policy, I suppose that means that they're subject to punishment. They're subject to discipline. Um, President Gay responds by saying, well, that all depends. That was a very careful answer, but it seems to me that it was the proper answer. Um, her critics, her critics wanted her, or at least some of them, wanted her to pander. They wanted her to say something that, you know, could appear on television and everybody would, or a lot of people would say, okay, that's the right answer. Instead of doing that, she answered like uh, an academic. By the way, what is she? She's an academic. <laughs> She's the president of a university, mm. and what she did, she took that she took that question very seriously, maybe too seriously, but she took the question very seriously. And now people are saying that you know it was um, a disastrous uh, answer. That was that. That's one of the misleading aspects of this. Let me go to another one. Mm-hmm. Um, um, maybe a more controversial claim. You know, it's it's now the case that people are. It it, it has become accepted. It has become accepted that anti-Semitism is rampant at Harvard University. No, it is not. No, it is not. Are you going to tell me that Harvard University, whose president, by the way, Larry Bacow, a wonderful president of the university, Larry Bacow, Jewish, observant, um, are you going to tell me that he was presiding over 
an institution where uh, anti-Semitism was rampant. Uh, take a look at the, you know, the, the uh, Harvard University. There are Jewish people in, across Harvard University on the faculty, in the administration, uh, a very substantial, distinguished presence. You're going to tell me that um, and, uh, 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 that uh, this is this is a place where uh, anti-Semitism is rampant? No, it's not. But that line has become established. And here, I guess I, I guess I must say I'm somewhat critical of uh, President Gay because President Gay, I'm sure she was under pressure, tremendous pressure. When this allegation is made, she sort of says she sort of accedes to it, and in fact, she created a committee uh, to you know um, which which essentially uh, substantiates this claim of so-called rampant anti-Semitism uh, at, uh, at Harvard, uh, not established, and from what I can tell, not true. Uh, and, you know, that too has become a part of the, in my view, false narratives that have led us to where we are. Let me cut in right quick, Professor Kennedy. I think I follow your point. I just want to make sure I'm, that, I'm, that, I'm, that I have some clarity here. Um, I, I think your point is, uh, as I hear it, that your critique of her on this particular issue is that by acceding uh, to that false claim, um, she gives life to that narrative rather than tamp, rather than, than than stomping on that thing like you just did with evidence and saying it's not true. Anti-Semitism is not run amok on this campus. So your your point is that by acceding to it, she aids and abets that narrative. Did I get that right? You did get that right. Okay. And frankly, I think that I think that President Gay and I've been a supporter of President Gay, and I still support President sure, Gay. Sure, sure. And you'll notice I'm still calling her President Gay. Mm-hmm. Um. I think that she actually backed up all too often. Mm. I think she apologized too much. She mm. apologized for her uh, testimony in Congress. As far as I'm concerned, she didn't have anything to apologize for. Mm. She said over and over and over again that she finds any sort of anti-Semitism personally abhorrent, uh, as she should, because it is personally it is abhorrent. And she said that. And any, um, any fair listener would have gotten that. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, there was nothing for her to apologize for if she wanted to, you know, if she wanted to accentuate what she had said, fine. But I think that people ought to be very careful uh, in the, you know, in apologizing. By all means, apologize if you have something to apologize for. But if you don't, it seems to me, don't apologize. Let me, let me, she ought not to. Have. Let me, let me jump in. This, this is getting good, as we say around here, Professor Candy, is getting good. Uh, let, let me jump in here because this is the conversation that every Negro I know has had, and we're going to have it on national radio. Uh, we've had it in our private spaces, but I want to bring it out into the forefront here. I don't know a black person who has not had a conversation over the last few years about black folk and all these apologies. And I want to be careful here because um, don't get don't get ourselves in any trouble here. But I do want to speak the truth. This has been particularly true over the last few years when it comes to the Jewish question. 
I don't need to run the list of all the names. Y'all know the names as you listen to Randy Candy and Tavis Smiley right now. But particularly when it comes to the Jewish question, a lot of black people have gotten themselves in trouble saying this, that, or the other. And they start genuflecting almost immediately. To your point, if you've done something or said something wrong, then you ought to apologize. Absolutely. But the broader question I'm raising here as we, as we, uh, as we audit your class at Harvard Law for this hour, the broader question I'm asking you, Professor Kennedy, is what it is, and you wrote the book, nigga. We talked about that book when you wrote it years ago. What is it about black folk that makes us, that leads us, that causes us, that compels us, you, you pick the word, to be so apologetic, to genuflect, um, even when we don't have to, as Malcolm would say, to scratch when it don't itch and to laugh when it ain't funny? Well, I, I think it's a complicated thing. And I, I want to I emphasize a point before I go on. Mm-hmm. I detest prejudice any sort of prejudice indeed against Jews against any group based on you know who they are i am totally against you know base prejudice racial religious national you have it indeed. i want that to be out and out clear i have said that many times throughout my career i'm saying it now now, to answer your question directly, I think that the apology, uh, you know, over-apologizing comes from a lot of different places. One place is a good, um, it, it's, it's, you know, one thing, I think people want to be very decent people. Mm-hmm. I, think that, I think that Claudine Gay is a very decent person. And so when you have, you know, when you say something, and then somebody sort of jumps in your face and they're angry and you you know you know them you mm-hmm. like them and they're angry at you i think for a lot of people the first you know impulse is to want to apologize why because you're a nice person you're a decent person you're a courteous person you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings and so i think that part of the impulse to apologize comes from a very good place you want to be a decent person um, so that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Now, there is another part of it, which is people are you know, prone to apologize when they get scared. You know, mm-hmm. now, if you have a powerful, you know, if you have powerful interests, powerful forces, powerful figures who are coming after you, they say, you know, you, you said this and you ought not have said this and you know, you better mend your ways or else, well, you know, people get, you know, people get nervous and they backtrack, even if, you know, they oughtn't, but they do. And I think that, you know, was that part of it? Sure, that was part of it. You had, you know, the, the news media, you had all sorts of figures, political figures, other, you know, important figures in our culture who were coming after her saying that what she had done had shown indifference to um uh to you know to anti-jewish prejudice and she, you know she was she was made nervous by that and you know that's that's understandable mm-hmm. um but in and i think it was in light of that that she you know sort of uh you know went into this you know apologetic posture yeah. even though as i you know 
say. I don't. I don't think there was any. Yeah. You know reason for her having to do that um i got two minutes here we'll continue when we come forward but in these next two minutes here um i read a, a piece of her um uh, op-ed of course for the new york times yesterday what did you make of her of her written uh, of her written piece yesterday i thought it was a strong written piece i think there is a question you know should she have stepped down mm-hmm. i mean she 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 said she stepped down because she didn't want to be a distraction i understand that impulse on the other hand, um, I I could have you know I I could have seen an alt- an alternative way of handling this, which is stay in there and fight. Mm-hmm. And you know uh, if if you're going to be um, ousted, okay, um, let them. Take me out. Mm-hmm. I'm 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 resistant to the idea of uh, taking yourself out. Yeah, there are a couple of questions here. Uh, I want to come to that. Um, this notion of fighting, staying and fighting, and what might have happened had she done that. That's what I want to probe. One, what might have happened had she stayed uh, to fight? Number one. Number two, I want to ask when we come forth, Professor Kennedy. Um, uh, how you view this question that many are debating about the stain, as some people put it, uh, uh, that this has on black academics, that she gave black academics, pardon the pun, a black eye writ large. Uh, thirdly, inside the Harvard community, I want to get your take on what it means and how you all are processing. As I said earlier, that she made history coming in, but made history going out. What does it mean? How do you process the fact that the shortest tenured president in the history of this institution happens to be a black woman. Uh, I want to ask your take on gender. What role do you think gender, uh, say nothing of the fact that she's a black woman, but what role has gender played in this process? A great deal more, uh, a great deal more to talk about, some more queries I have for Harvard Law Professor Randall Candy when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. Seeking the truth. He's rooting for everybody black. Everybody black. black. More of Tavis Smiley coming your way right now. Right now. Right now. More of distinguished Harvard Law Professor Randall Kennedy coming your way right now as we talk about the resignation of Claudine Gay. A uh, powerful and provocative piece she wrote for the New York Times yesterday. You can find it online everywhere. The headline, Claudine Gay, What Just Happened at Harvard is Bigger Than Me. Again, delighted to have for the hour, for the rest of this hour, Randall Kennedy from the Harvard Law School. Watching my time, Professor Kennedy, let me run through a few things I want to get your take on right quick. Number one, you said uh, moments ago that there was a different way to handle this. Uh, She could have uh, chosen to stay and fight. That's what I would have done. Clearly, that's what you would have done. Uh, I'm like you. I don't think she had a whole lot to apologize for. Um, we'll get to some other things, though, in just a second, here, including the plagiarism accusations. But the point is she could have stayed and fought. Had she stayed and fought, when you and I both know, clearly they put a target on her back. I've asked this question more than once uh, rhetorically, <laughs> uh, how we went from so-called anti-Semitism to plagiarism. There's a story just in that. Uh, clearly, you take my point. They were determined to get her by any means necessary. So had oh, yeah. she had she had stayed and fought, what might have happened? Oh, there was clearly they were going to continue. This is um, the forces arrayed against her were completely ruthless. They've got a lot of institutional backing. You know, there were there were they were going to continue, and so there was going to be a cost. But 
you know, uh, Harvard University is a pretty substantial institution. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to, you know, I mean, what better place to make a stand? Mm. Uh, what, be what, what institution is better placed to show that uh, higher institutions of higher education are not going to be cowed, are not going to be intimidated, are not going to allow themselves uh, to be uh, manipulated by outside forces. And if that costs something, well, you know, lots of good things in life cost something. Mm. So if it had cost Harvard University something, so be it. I would have preferred, you know, me, I would have preferred staying. And by the way, um, maybe going on radio or, for that matter, going on television, mm -hmm. you know, uh, buying time. Here is, here is what our position is. Mm -hmm. We think that the public has been misled. Here is the way we see it. Uh, you know, I f fight it. I would have yeah. preferred yeah. that. Um, I, I asked again a moment ago, um, not at all rhetorically, um, how we went from anti-Semitism claims to plagiarism claims. Uh, I noted yesterday, I noted again today, uh, you already know this, of course, that the, the student newspaper, the Crimson at, at, at Harvard, fine newspaper, um, in, an, in, in their editorial, um, suggested that she ought not be forced to resign over these plagiarism allegations because it was kind of, as they put it, sloppy plagiarism in that there were such, uh, a number of citations that should have been there that, that, that weren't. But it wasn't the worst, the ugliest kind of just lifting people's stuff, uh, copying people's stuff, and, 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 and acting like it's your own. So the student newspaper, the student said that she didn't, uh, should not rather, have been forced out of that position. How did you read these plagiarism claims? Um, uh, the... Enemies of Claudine Gay and the enemies of Harvard made a mountain out of a molehill. Mm -hmm. Now you know they you know people are focused on her dissertation. Mm -hmm. Her dissertation <laughs> uh, that was a little while ago. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, they're talking about. They made it seem as though she has been recently involved in some serious academic misdoing not true mm -hmm. maybe you know, maybe there was some sloppiness but what we're talking about is something which is trivial you're absolutely right there is nothing i have seen indicating that she was trying to pass off somebody else's idea as her own somebody else's information as her own that's what, uh, you know, plagiarism should really mean. Yeah. Uh, this stuff that they were talking about, like I said, it's, it's yeah. a molehill. But they were successful in making a mountain out of it. And um, you were absolutely right. They were going to, you know, they were going to continue. They were going to continue uh, to attack her uh, with anything. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, and you that, know, did, 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 had she? Uh, by the way, you know, 
uh, was she slow in paying a, a parking ticket? Yeah, did you did you jaywalk something like that? I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They they weren't going to stop. And that, as I read her piece in the Times, my sense was that she didn't want any more of that. She didn't want any more of that. She didn't want to be called the N word. Uh, call I don't yeah. like the N word. They, they didn't call her the N word. They called her a nigga. She didn't want to be called a nigga yeah. uh, anymore. She didn't want any more death threats. I get that. And for her own self health. Uh, maybe she made the right decision. That that that's up to her. But 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 this other question though, I want to get to right quick is uh, whether or not you believe, as some have suggested, that this gives a black eye. Again, pardon the pun to black academics, black scholars. Well, yeah, it certainly. Listen uh, again. One of the reasons why I really have a heavy heart. I'm deeply saddened by this. Uh, here we have a situation. Yes, right. The first black president of Harvard University has now been laid low and, you know, is has the the shortest reign Mm -hmm. as the president. Uh, I think that there are going to be people who are going to say, you know, told you so. Mm -hmm. There are going to be people who are going to be winking at one another. Uh, one of the lines that was used, of course, to attack her was, well, you know, uh, she's a, a woman. You asked about gender. Of mm-hmm. course, gender had something to do with this. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding? Of course, gender. And a black woman, there were people saying, well, you know, uh, she's okay, but, you know, she, 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 she oughtn't be in charge of things. And now she's been laid low, and there are going to be people who are going to be saying, told you so. They're going to view this as a substantiation Mm. of the claim that, well, you know, these people are okay, but they're not really at the top. They're not, they shouldn't really be at the top. And I think there are going to be some people who are going to see her, uh, her ouster as a substantiation of those sorts of claims. So does this hurt the standing, you know, the collective uh, reputation of black academics? The answer is yes, of yeah. course it does. Let me let me ask you a quick question, and I want to I want to delve into this when we come forward. But my quick question right now is: re- remind me in the audience how long your association with Harvard at this point has existed, Professor Kennedy? I came to Harvard in the summer of 1984. 1984. I've been here for a while. Okay, summer of 1984. I want to ask when we come forward, among other things, I want to get to. Um, of all the race issues that we've seen play out at Harvard, there have been any number of them, any number of them, including Skip Gates and the and the, the drama that landed him in the Rose Garden at the White House with the, with the president having a beer. Um, the Cornell West matter comes to mind with Larry Summers. Uh, the matter of Ronald Sullivan comes to matter, comes to mind. So many race issues on the campus of Harvard just in the tenure just in your tenure since 1984, and, I, and, and I'm, oh, Derek Bell. Derek Bell comes to Derek mind at the Harvard Law School. I mean, you know yeah. this stuff better than I do. I just, I'm just talking on top of my head, stuff that I know. But I want, I want you to situate for me in this race frame, if you will, how you see this versus all these other race issues that you've seen in your own time at Harvard. I want to ask you uh, as well when we come forward about how you see this notion of free speech on college campuses. Our guest is a distinguished Harvard Law Professor Randall Kennedy. You're listening to him right now, and I'm glad about it on Tavis Smiley. Hope, agency, dignity. This is Tavis Smiley. Can you dig it? Come on! More honesty than you can handle. More 
empowerment than you can imagine. You're tuned in to Tavis Smiley. So let me just ask you point blank, Fresh Kennedy. Um, I'm thinking about Du Bois and all that he went through to be the first African-American to get a Ph.D. at Harvard uh, and all that I've read about that over the years. Um, let me just ask you point blank. Are Negroes, are black folk, are black folk welcome at Harvard? I listed all the things that came to my mind about these racial skirmishes, and that, that may not be a strong enough word, but you've been there since 84. Do, do you feel welcome at Harvard? Yes, I feel welcome at Harvard. Okay. I absolutely do. I've been here I've been here since the summer of nineteen eighty four. Uh I it's uh I have had a wonderful time at Harvard. It has been a very supportive workplace. I would urge anybody who's interested in a in a in a career in academia, I think this is a wonderful community. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned b- before the break there was one person's name that you mentioned that I must say caught me up. Derek Bell. Yes, 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 yes. Remember, yes. Derek Bell left Harvard University. He left Harvard University, the law school, because he threw down an ultimatum. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave unless you appoint a black woman to the tenure track at Harvard Law School. And that did not happen, and he left. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, we, you know, at this moment, I must say, I'm thinking of Derek Bell and, you know, his, his, his spirit, and I'm sure, you know, what, what, what would he be saying at this moment? This is a, this is a, a terrible moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that Harvard, uh, it's, it's, it, it's, it's very disturbing that it has allowed itself to be upended in this way by demagogues, uh, and that's bad. And it should it should you know examine itself and you know be be better prepared uh, to engage in these sorts of struggles. But to answer your question, yeah. no, I've I've had a I've had a wonderful time yeah. at at Harvard University, and I and I feel most welcome here. Let me add, let me add very quickly this Derek Bell story. I, I know this well. I was just uh, in New York not too long ago with uh, with his, uh, his 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 widow. Uh, brilliant. Ah. Yeah. And we spent some time talking about this and she reminded me and this conversation is coming back to me right quick just to put a final point on the Derek Bell story. Uh, you told it brilliantly. He did, in fact, leave Harvard uh, over a black woman not being tenured. Of course, Lonnie Guineer ended up being tenured later, of course, yes. uh, as a black uh, woman uh, professor at Harvard Law. So that in part happens because Derek Bell threw down a gauntlet and left and went to New York. Um, but he also did that earlier in his career at, at Oregon. Um, he left yeah, Oregon he Law did. School. You, you know this story well. He left Oregon Law School over an Asian woman they would not give tenure right. to. So Derek right. Bell is a bad brother, and I only underscore that because it, it makes your point that sometimes you got to stand and fight. I believe that when we fight, we win. Uh, and again, Claudine Gay is entitled to make her own decision. She's made it, and God bless her, and she's going to be okay. Got a nice, got a nice buyout, and she still got tenure and will still teach at Harvard. And so Claudine Gay is going to be all right, trust and believe. But I take your point. That she could have stayed and fought, I would have stayed and fought. You would have stayed and fought. Derek Bell uh, again just reminds us that sometimes um, you have to to stand in your truth. 
Uh, and because Harvard wouldn't do right by black women, he rolled out. And because Oregon law wouldn't do right by an Asian woman, mm -hmm. he rolled out. That kind of courage and conviction and commitment and commitment, uh, 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 character rather, is rare. And I'm glad you reminded us of the legacy of one Derek Bell. By the way, the father of CRT, which is under attack every day, that Derek Bell, we celebrate him right now. You're talking, uh, uh, I'm, I'm talking to Randall Kennedy uh, at Harvard Law. We'll wrap our conversation when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. What's your quarrel with the world? You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Helping to make you the most knowledgeable person in your circle of friends. This is Tavis Smiley. Professor Randall Kennedy, I uh, deeply appreciate your time in this hour. I know you have a full schedule, but to give me an hour of your time to talk about this has meant uh, a great deal to me uh, and to this audience. You're always so kind to receive my phone call and accept my invitations, and I thank you, thank you, thank you once again. In the three, two and a half minutes I have left, let me close on this, uh, because this is this is the frame that they want, the political right want to put this in, um, uh, red herring though it may be, what what is your view of the the state of free speech on college campuses? Um, you know, at Harvard University, people can speak freely for the most part. Are there some problems? Of course, there's some problems. You get thousands of people together, you're going to have problems. But this idea that the campuses are, uh, you know, under some sort of liberal orthodoxy that's, you know, pre preventing conservatives, preventing centrists from, from speaking, that, too, is a false narrative. And by the way, the, uh, the right wing is talking about how liberals are being tyrants on campus. They're not talking about the many, many, many states that have passed laws preventing things from being taught in school. They're not talking about the banning of books in many states, these book bannings, these bannings of teachings, this anti-CRT campaign that comes from the right. They're not talking about that, are they? Mm -hmm. We need to be really clear about what's going on. And I applaud you, Tavis, for trying to uh, contribute to public education that is so needed and especially needed in this year. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I do. American democracy is uh, at risk right now yeah. in the most serious way. We need everybody to be on board, to be alert, uh, to be active, to be voting. Yeah. We need that. I right will, now. I will leave it there right now. That's our program for today. Professor Candy, thank you for your time, sir. I'll talk to you soon, my friend. All the best to you. Take care. Bye-bye.